Our scripture reading this morning is Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Sharon. Morning, everybody. Good to see you. If you don't know me, my name is Alan. I'm one of the elders in the church here. Uh, it's really good to be back with you this morning. I was over in South last week, uh, just covering for Andrew over there. He's still off at the minute. Um, but it's good to be back. And we're in this kind of in-between period. Usually this doesn't happen in village where we're kind of well uh, regimented in what we're preaching through. Usually books of the Bible, we just take a book of the Bible and we preach through it. But we're sort of in this in-between period now, before Advent. We're doing a series there uh, in Luke's Gospel. Um, and we have had four weeks where two of the weeks, John, starting next week, is going to preach uh, on deacons because hopefully in the new year we're going to think uh, as a church about appointing deacons here. Um, so we'll have, we have elders, uh, but we want to think about what it looks like to have deacons. Um, but in this in-between period, we had just 
the luxury, I suppose, of, of preaching on something that we wanted to preach on. John chose Psalm 114 last week. Some people said when, when it was being read out, they were thinking, what is he ever going to pull out of this? But he managed it. He did a good job. Uh, and I'm in, in Psalm 103 this week. And, and hopefully in the reading of Psalm 103, you've not thought, I wonder what he's going to pull out of this today. Because it's a little bit more straightforward, isn't it? Um, it's one of my favorite Psalms. One of my favorite passages of scripture, an amazing psalm of praise that's written by King David. I would say if David had a greatest, greatest hits, this would probably be one of the songs that was right up there at the top. Um, and when I was reflecting on Psalm 103 this week, it got me thinking about action songs. You know, Action songs, the kind of songs I'm talking about. Some classics might be things like the cha-cha slide. Anybody done that before? Slide to the left, slide to the right, and then what comes next? Crisscross, someone's done it before. Uh, or, or other ones might be things like rock the boat. Maybe you've done that before. Uh, for the kids, it's things like the hokey pokey. Or is it the hokey cokey? Who knows? I looked both this week on Google. But those kind of songs that are played maybe at a wedding or a party that really get the party going. They're songs that are kind of inclusive for everyone to get involved in. And they're songs that um, they're easy and they're accessible for people because really the point of an action song is just to do what the song says. To do what the song says. Whenever one of those songs comes on, you get out on the dance floor and you just do the actions. You just follow what the song is saying. Now, I know what you're thinking. I've had many a tenuous link before in my introductions. Uh, and you probably think, how's he going to link the cha-cha slide to Psalm 103? But when I was thinking about Psalm 103 and the purpose of this psalm, what David is trying to get us to do is to just do what the psalm says. To bless the Lord. That's what he says in, in verse 1. Right out of the gate, bless the Lord. And who's he talking to? He's talking to himself, to his own soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. If you've got the NIV, it's uh, praise the Lord. And really, to bless the Lord or to praise the Lord means to ascribe greatness and honor to his name. It means to acknowledge him as God, to recognize God's majesty, his glory, to give him the praise and the honor that he deserves. And that's what David wants us to do as we read Psalm 103. That's the action he's calling us to join him in. Six times he says, bless the Lord throughout this psalm. He says it to himself. But then, as you look towards the end, he starts to invite others to join him in the dance floor, if you want to put it like that. He says, join me, angels. Join me, all of God's works. Join me, all ministers and, and all people. Bless the Lord along with me. He's calling everyone, but he's also calling everything to bless the Lord. Because look in verse 1 as well. This isn't David just, you know, standing on the sort of side of the dance floor, paying a bit of lip service to the song. No, he wants to throw himself all into it. Look what he says. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, every fiber of my being, the very depths of my soul, I want to worship 
God with all that I have. The question is, why should we do that? Why should we bless the Lord? And to that, David gives the answer right away in verse two. Look what he says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We bless the Lord because we remember. We rejoice in the Lord by remembering by remembering who he is and all that he has done, the many blessings and the many benefits he has graciously showered on his people. That's how we bless the Lord, when we remember those things, because the only natural response of our hearts, the only natural response of our our soul is to cry out to God in praise and worship for all that he has done. What David wants to do in this psalm is take his own soul almost like a a trip down memory lane. And he wants to do the same with us this morning. If you're a, a Christian this morning, he wants to stir the fires of praise in your heart to praise God with all that is within you. If you're someone who's here and you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus Christ, you're just kind of exploring things. David wants you, maybe not to remember yet, but he wants God's goodness and his benefits to be revealed to you so that then in time you can bless the Lord by remembering too. In many ways, this is a very easy psalm for us to get to grips with this morning because the call is to remember and to rejoice. That's really what David is doing. You know, there are many times when those action songs come on you may be at a wedding or a party and, and you're there and, and the last thing that you want to do is jump onto the dance floor with everyone. You see lots of people doing it, uh, but you're just not feeling it. You maybe know the words, you know the actions, you've done it before, but you feel like you'd be forcing yourself almost. You watch as other people get into position and you wish that you could join them but you're just not feeling it. I've been like that before. It doesn't take me long to get going at parties usually, but I've been there. I'm sure all of us have. And maybe that's how you feel today. As you feel, or as you read this psalm, as you, as you heard it read in our liturgy, as, as you listen to the call of worship, call to worship even this morning, you're just not there just not feeling it. You hear David's call to action here. You hear his call to bless the Lord, but you feel like you'd be forcing it today. You're thinking, don't get me wrong, I'd love to be there. I'd love to be in that place, but with the things that are going on in life right now for me, I'm just not there. Maybe you remember a time when you were there, but it feels like a distant memory almost. Maybe at the moment you just feel distracted by the busyness of life. Blessing the Lord seems far from your mind. Or maybe you feel a bit disillusioned at the minute actually because the things you're having to struggle with in life at the moment, the trials that you're facing, they're making you run far from God rather than to him. And blessing the Lord feels like a distant thing to you. Or maybe you're just disinterested in God right now. 
He is the furthest thing from your mind. And if that describes how you're feeling this morning, if blessing the Lord doesn't, you don't feel it this morning, listen, there's no judgment because if we were all being honest, there are plenty of times in life we feel like that. Me too. But this is why I love this psalm so much, why I think it's such a, a comforting and encouraging psalm. Because we, when we look at the example of David, he shows us that blessing the Lord from the very depths of our being, it's less like turning a light on and more like lighting a fire. It's less like turning a light on, just click and we're there. It's more like lighting a fire, having to work hard to fan those flames into action. And there are times in life that we maybe need to work a bit harder to get to that place of blessing the Lord from the very depths of our being. David shows us that, I think. We don't know the context of this psalm. We don't know why he's writing in the way he does. It doesn't seem like there's anything much significant though happening because it doesn't seem like it's a high point in Israel's history or a really low point in David's life either. It just feels like it's maybe mundane, kind of the, the normal day to day. But what David wants to do is he wants to, to fight to get to that place of blessing the Lord. And he spends 16 verses doing it. That's what it takes. Filling his head and filling his heart with reasons to praise God fueling the fire. And I think David's aim in this psalm is to help us get there this morning. To help us as a church family get to that point of blessing the Lord with all that is within us. By remembering, with the help of God's spirit, getting to that place where we can say, along with David, bless the Lord, O my soul. So all we're going to do this morning is we're going to reflect on God's goodness, his grace, these benefits that he bestows on us, his people. And let's just remember together and rejoice and revel in it. That's it. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to look at these benefits of God's grace in three ways, three things that I've got for you this morning. Here's the first thing. We've got the scope of God's grace Secondly, we've got the source of God's grace. And then we're going to look thirdly at the security of God's grace. So let's look firstly at the scope of God's grace. How far-reaching are the benefits of God's grace in our lives? If you're a Christian this morning, how far-reaching are the benefits of God's grace? Well, David shows that these benefits are felt by the individual. That's really what he's saying in the first five verses. But in the, in the rest of the psalm, he's showing how it's felt by the people of God at large as well. So there are benefits that we experience individually, but also together collectively. And in verses two to five, David sort of names the benefits. And then he spends the rest of the psalm unpacking those benefits. Look at verses uh, two and three. Look at the repetition of the word all that runs through these verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. You see, God's grace, God's goodness offer both forgiveness and healing. It deals with both sin and sickness. Your sin is never too great 
that God's grace cannot cleanse it. Your sickness is never too severe that God's grace cannot sustain you in it or heal you from it if that is his will. Look at verses four and five. He redeems your life from the pit. That's talking about death. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy and he satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The benefits of God's grace and mercy encompass all of life and even death. All the demands of life that so often threaten to overwhelm us, sin, sickness, suffering, sorrow. David says they can't, they won't overwhelm you because God's grace will sustain you. Whatever need you have in life right now, God promises that there is more grace in him than there is need in you. There is more grace in him than there is need in you. You can never exhaust the provision of God's grace. You can never ask too much of him. As Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 19, God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is why we can trust ourselves fully to this God in life, but even in death. Because David says, even when we face death in the grip of God's grace, then we do not need to fear. We do not need to fret because God is powerful enough to redeem even our life from the pit. What comfort for us this morning, for those who have lost loved ones who have trusted their life to the Lord. What hope for us if we have chosen to do the same? God's grace is never ending, like rivers that just keep flowing and flowing. It's comprehensive, it's full. His love is steadfast and unending. You can be sure God will forgive you. He will sustain you. He will cleanse you. He will lead you. He will deliver you. And he will bring you home to glory when your days on this earth are done. That's a promise from the God who never lies. And David says, look at the scope of God's grace. These are the benefits and the blessings that you enjoy as one of his people. A life lived in the grip of God's grace is a life filled with reasons to bless the Lord from the very depths of our being. Secondly, let's look at the source of God's grace. Where do these benefits that we receive, where do they actually flow from? Where do they find their source? Well, look with me at verses six to nine of the psalm, because in this part, David is reflecting on Israel's history, and specifically, he's talking about the Exodus story. John touched a little bit about this on, uh, last week in the psalm that he was doing. It's about God rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. In verses six and seven, David reminds himself how God acted in righteousness and justice when he delivered his oppressed people out of bondage and slavery to the Egyptians. David says, he showed his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. And in Exodus 34, God explains to Moses in the context of the covenant that he has made with his people, he explains why he would rescue and redeem his people from slavery. 
why he would show grace and mercy to them. And verse eight of our psalm here is David actually quoting what God said to Moses back in Exodus 34, verse six. The Lord, that's Yahweh, is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Why does God save his people? It's because of who he is. He's a God who loves to save. Why does God show mercy and grace to his people? It's because of who he is. He's a God who's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. David is remembering the kind of God that he follows and that he serves. Remembering what God is like by nature. And he knows that who God is by nature dictates what God does. God will be completely faithful to who he is. God's grace and his love and his mercy, they are rooted in his nature. He is by nature a God who saves, a God who is gracious and merciful, a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. David says that's why he rescued his people in the Exodus. It wasn't because of them. They hadn't earned their salvation. It wasn't because they were worthy of God's love and grace. It was because God, by nature, is gracious and merciful. And we as God's people, we like David, we remember this and we rejoice in this and we bless him for this. That he has chosen to save us, you and me, not because of who we are or because of what we have done, but because of who he is, his nature. I'm a big fan of of writing pros and cons lists for everything. I do it for everything. It drives Jay and my wife mad. Big decisions, small decisions, pros and cons list, piece of paper. And for thinking about, you know, Saturday night, what are we getting takeaway? Chinese, we get Chinese pros and cons, let's see. Maybe I don't go as far as that, but moving house, pros and cons list. You know, what are the benefits of this? What are the drawbacks of this? Imagine for a moment, God writing a pros and cons list when he was thinking about saving us, his people. All the reasons to save us on one side, all the reasons not to save us on the other. It would be the most lopsided pros and cons list ever, wouldn't it? The decision is obvious. There's no reason whatsoever to save us. We, by nature, have rebelled against God. We have turned away from him as our loving creator, as the one who has generously given us all things that we have in life, we have rejected him. We've not ascribed the glory and the honor that is due his name. But God, Ephesians 2 says, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, hopeless, done, he made us alive together with Christ. For it is by grace we have been saved. It's not what we do. It's all what God has done. He chooses to save us because of who he is, 
because of his love for us. His salvation is something that totally depends on him, not us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And as David looks at the deliverance of God's people in the Exodus story, the fires in his heart are starting to be stoked and stirred to praise this God of salvation, to bless his holy name. And here's the amazing thing for us this morning as God's people. Don't we, don't we have an even greater deliverance to look back upon? An even more incredible salvation story than that. Isn't God's grace and mercy and love displayed in a far more glorious way at the cross of Jesus Christ? That was what the Exodus story was foreshadowing, pointing forward to at the cross where the Lamb of God, our Passover Lamb, was slain to take away the sins of the world. At the cross where our bondage to sin and death was broken forever and we were set free. And why did God do it for us? Because the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. See what David is doing here? He's preaching to himself about God, preaching the gospel to his own soul. He goes to the very source of our salvation, the very roots of God's grace, and he says to his soul, remember, remember what God is like, remember what God has done, and rejoice, revel, in our God. The God who saved his people is a savior still to this day. The God who promised his people that he was slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love is still the same God today. David is preaching the gospel to himself. There was a Christian writer called Jerry Bridges who wrote lots and lots of books on personal and spiritual disciplines. His whole ministry, in fact, was about helping people to love God and to relate to him more. And near the end of his own life, someone asked Jerry Bridges, what is it that's most helped you in trusting God and rejoicing in him through the ups and downs of life? And this is what Jerry Bridges said, nothing has been so formative to my own soul as learning to preach the gospel to myself. Nothing has been more formative to my soul as learning to preach the gospel to myself. And this is what David is doing here. He's preaching to himself, preaching the exodus to himself because in it, he sees the steadfast love of the Lord. He sees it demonstrated, displayed. And we, we need to preach the cross to ourselves, the very source of our salvation. Because the cross is the place where we see God displaying his abounding steadfast love for us. Someone once said the cross is the pulpit of the Father's love. The cross is the place that he declares his love for us. Paul said in Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you wonder, does God love me? How could God love me? The things I've done, the sin I'm caught up in in life right now. I've strayed so far from him. Look at me, I'm so unlovable. How could God ever love me? How could he possibly want me? 
go and look at the cross. Because there God says, I do love you. This is how much I love you. I was willing to die for you, to have you as my own. Go back to Calvary and survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died and you'll see his love for you on display. There is reason to bless the Lord from the very depths of our being. Thirdly, we're gonna look at the security of God's grace. How long-lasting are the benefits of God's grace? How durable and how dependable is his grace towards us in Jesus Christ? Well, there are two key things that we see here in these verses, in verses 10 to 19, which David says uh, is the reason we are secure if we are believers this morning, secure forever. Here's the first thing. He says, if we have received God's grace in Jesus Christ, then we are eternally forgiven. Eternally forgiven. Verses 10 to 12 must be some of the greatest verses in the whole Bible. Brother or sister, if you need encouragement this morning, if you're feeling, feeling weighed down by the burden of your sin, if your head is low, just rejoice in these verses. These verses are for you. Because David says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. If ever there was a time to say hallelujah, this is it. How different is God to you or to me? We keep injustices fresh in our mind. We dwell on the feelings and the faults of other people. I so often choose not to forgive or to forget the wrongs people have done to me. But how different is God? Oh, he does not deal with us according to our sins. Praise the Lord. Because I know, deep in the depths of my soul, I know what I deserve. Paul says in Romans 3.23, the wages that I am due from God for the sin of my heart is death. Eternal death. Separation from him forever. That's what all of us deserve. But bless the Lord, O oh my soul, that he chooses not to repay me according to my iniquities. He, choo he chooses not to punish me as he should. But he chose to lay the punishment of death, which I deserve, on his own son, Jesus Christ, at the cross. The perfect, sinless son of God paid my debt before God in full. His shed blood was enough to satisfy God's wrath against sin forever. And by his sacrifice, he took my sin and he buried it as far as the east is from the west, an immeasurable distance from me, never to be brought back to me again. And it's the same for you this morning if you're in Jesus Christ. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. What a glorious truth. David says, remember Remember and rejoice that in Jesus Christ you are eternally forgiven. When Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. He meant that it was finished. 
There's nothing more that needs to be done. There's nothing more that you can do to try and earn God's favor and acceptance today. Once you run to the cross with your guilt and your shame, your burden is gone. So go there. Leave it there. Cast your sin on Jesus Christ. And never, never return to it. Because he will never bring it back to you. (laughs) You're forgiven, you're clean, and you are free forever. And maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning who needs to hear that. You're weighed down at the moment by the burden of sin in your life. The weight of sin that Jesus Christ bore on the cross is a weight that you need never bear again. Maybe you're someone who hasn't yet put their trust in Jesus. Please hear what David is saying in this psalm. There is no one too guilty. There is no sin too grievous. There's no place that you could wander to which is too far from God to bring you back. If you haven't already, I plead with you this morning, come to the cross, come to Jesus Christ. Acknowledge your need of a savior, confess your sin, and feel the weight of that sin just fall off today. Know the security of being forgiven forever. God, by his grace, offers forgiveness, full, free, and forever to all of us. But only if we come to Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we are eternally forgiven. And then secondly, and finally, David says in Jesus, we are secure because we have received eternal life. We have received eternal life. There's one thing none of us can be sure of this morning. And that is how long we have on this earth. Our days in this earth are numbered, but they're not numbered by us. They are numbered by our creator and Lord, our father in heaven. We don't know when we will breathe our last on this earth, but we do know that that day will come. And the Bible says that God too knows that that day will come. Look at verse 14 to 16. For he, that's God, knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. David describes the stark reality for every human being on this earth. Verse 14, we are dust. Verse 15, we are like grass, like a flower of the field that flourishes, yes, that enjoys its time in the sun, yes, but without any warning, almost completely out of the blue, the winds of life they blow, and that flower which once flourished in the field is gone, and the place where it stood knows it no more. David says the harsh reality about life on this earth is that life is fragile and life is fleeting. Our time on this earth is short and the grim reality is that death is inevitable for each one of us. The Bible teaches us that there is a way for us to live forever. There's a way for us to have hope even beyond this fragile and fleeting life on earth. 
but only if we trust in the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. David says in verse 12, we have a perfect father who made us, who knows us, who remembers that we are dust. He knows our frailty. He knows what we are like, how fragile and fleeting our lives in this earth really are. But verse 12 says, he is a father who is compassionate on his children. He is a father whose love for his children is unending. It goes from generation to generation. Verse 17, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. There is a way for our lives to be eternally secure. There's a way for us to live beyond this fragile and fleeting world. But it's only if our lives are built upon the everlasting and the steadfast love of God for us in Jesus. In Christ, we are loved forever. And in Jesus Christ, we will live forever. David says in verse 19, God's throne is in the heavens. He lives and rules for all eternity. He rules over all creation and from his throne flows a never-ending river of love and grace to every one of his children. Make sure that your life is secure in Jesus Christ today. Make sure that your deepest joy is not in the earthly blessings that are fragile and fleeting on this earth, but that your deepest joy is in Jesus Christ today. Come to Jesus where God pours out his steadfast love upon each one of us, his grace upon grace. That is freely offered to you today. And if you're someone who has already put their trust in Jesus Christ, David says, rejoice. Bless the Lord, O my soul, because your life is eternally secure. You're eternally forgiven, eternally loved, and you will live for eternity. We need to learn the lesson that this psalm teaches us, don't we? I certainly do, to preach every day the gospel to our own hearts. To fight for the reason, even amidst all the, the difficulties that we might face in life, the brokenness of this world, to fight for the reason to rejoice in the Lord day by day. Remember what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Remember how much we are loved in him, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. And give thanks along with David as we say those words, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are compassionate, that you are gracious and merciful, that you by nature are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Father, we so often forget this. We wander away from the truth. We allow the, the pressures, the struggles, the trials, the busyness of life to just crowd out what we know to be true about you, the reality of you in our life. Father, we're sorry for that, and today we want to come back to you. 
We want you, Lord, to to do a work in our hearts to remind us to the very depths of our soul who you really are and what you are like towards us, your children. Father, you're so good to us. We've sung these words already. You shower us with blessings. I pray, Lord, that we would forget not all your benefits. As your people, we would rejoice in them, that we would revel in them. And Lord, that we would tell others of them as well. Father, there is life in you and and nowhere else. And Lord, I I pray as well, if there is anyone today, Lord, I just got the sense this week as I was preparing this message that there maybe are people here who need to hear this today, that, that you, Father, that you love them deeply. Even though they may question that, how you could ever love them, Father, I want them to know today as you do that that they are loved by you. That you demonstrate your love for us and that while we were far off from you, sinners, Lord, you sent your own son, Jesus Christ, your beloved son, to come and to die for us. Father, may we come to the cross today, all of us, if we've put our trust in Jesus and even if we haven't today, Lord, I pray that we will come to the foot of the cross and we will look to Jesus hanging there, hanging there for us, bearing the weight of our sin on his shoulders, dying so that we might have life forever. Father, I pray that we'll come to Jesus, we'll be encouraged if we're believers, knowing that we are forgiven forever in him. And if we haven't yet put our trust in Jesus, I pray today, Lord, will be the day that our sin falls from us, that the weight and the burden that we're carrying, we would just hand it over to you and you, Lord, would bury it with Jesus as far as the east is from the west. Father, thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you will transform us by the knowledge of the love and the grace and the goodness that you've shown to each one of us. I pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.